Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. Welcome in. We are bringing to you the first episode of the new Revenge of the Birds podcast, formerly the Bird Gang Blitz podcast. We're proud to be part of the new SB Nation radio uh, network of podcasts, or I guess you could say their podcast network in that sense. Uh, so yeah, this is the first kind of initial episode you'll see after the rebranding. Uh, still the same old great Cardinals content and analysis. Uh, coming off of the Cardinals disappointing 26-14 to 14 loss to the Chiefs, I will be here breaking it down with my co-host as always, uh, John Venerable, a.k.a. Johnny's Football. John, how are you doing tonight, and how did you feel about the Cardinals game today? Yeah, I'm doing great, Blake. Thank you uh, for the introduction. Uh, I, it's mixed emotions because there are some positives, obviously, to take away from this game, uh, specifically on the defensive side. But, man, the offense uh, for the Arizona Cardinals not able to get it done, uh, kind of like a broken record. The Cardinals, uh, to this point this season, have only scored 124 points through nine games. And uh, that has to be one of the worst, uh, if not the worst, points per game total in the NFL down there with the, with the Jets and the Bills and, and what have you. So it's frustrating to watch uh, a team like Arizona with a lot of talent on both sides of the ball um, not be able to produce in what has really become a high-octane offensive league. It's like everybody's part of the party except for the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals came into this game today facing a Kansas City defense that really at the end of the day isn't super impressive uh, and has had close – games with with many inferior opponents especially offensive dynamic and what they'd given up big point totals to denver to san francisco um obviously the steelers and the chargers had their way uh offensively but you know the arizona cardinals i thought would be able to come into this game and assert themselves offensively with rosen with david johnson um, with the receivers that they have, like Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. And I, I expected them to put up, you know, I, it sounds ridiculous now. I thought they put up 30 points in a loss. Turns out that would have been enough for the win. The Cardinals still searching for some kind of identity offensively. And I think the biggest culprit to their lack of success outside of a uh, play call, calling in the early portion of the season is the offensive line. How many years have mm-hmm. we been saying that? The Cardinal offensive line today was just abysmal, uh, gave up five sacks on the day. And when you look at this unit, Blake, it really hampers anything you want to do offensively, especially in the passing game. Cardinals were actually able to run the ball semi-effectively today, probably the best day um, that they've had uh, in any game this year. David Johnson had 21 carries for 98 yards. That's 4.7 yards per carry, uh, whereas he's averaging in the threes uh, in terms of his average for the season. But the offensive line and pass protection, I mean, you forget about five and seven step drops. Rosen cannot uh, complete a three-step drop without having some kind of pressure in his face. And it's not like Kansas City blisses. I mean, they were getting pressure consistently with their front four, led by Justin Houston, who was back today uh, after a season-long injury coming back. D Ford, who has emerged as a, a tremendous pass rusher for them. And then, of course, uh, kind of the uh, underlying story of this game was Chris Jones, uh, two sacks on the days on pace for, I think, over double digits. Cardinals opted to pass on Chris Jones in the 2015 dra- draft in the first round going with Robert Kimdichie. Jones, inexplicably, uh, I think maybe 2016 draft, inexplicably falls. Jones does to the second round. The Chiefs pick him up. He's everything that the Cardinals hoped Kimdichie would be. He dominated the line of scrimmage today. But just back to that offensive line, Blake, we talked about it off air. You're looking at five starters, all with question marks, all with concerns. 
the both guard positions, Mike Ayupati and Justin Pugh. Ayupati was a late scratch from this game. That was surprising. Uh, you've got to figure his days are numbered with this franchise. He should probably already be gone. The team opted to keep Ayupati in the offseason instead of keeping right tackle Jared Valdir. Justin Pugh, who was consistently injured and underperformed in New York, said that wasn't going to be a problem in Arizona if the Cardinals were just going to keep him at one position, that being guard. That has not been the case broken hand coming into today, uh, suffered a knee injury about midway through. That looks like it could be a uh, season ending potentially uh, waiting to hear on that. Uh, right tackle Andre Smith, to me, does not belong as a starting right tackle in the NFL, has not been particularly good uh, for the length of his career, but especially uh, these last two or three years, he's a major liability. He gave up several sacks, several pressures today, nearly got Rosen killed. You know, Humphreys and Cole, you know, they're probably the best of the group, but again, what is that saying at this point? I think we could see a scenario going into this offseason where the Cardinals are forced to take a look at the offensive line and potentially replace up to four starters. Cole, you'd like to give a pass to. Uh, he's a third-round rookie who, who should technically shouldn't be playing because of an injury to a veteran. He's forced into the lineup. Humphreys has been underwhelming at times, did not have a great day. Um, but it's just a unit, time in and time out, that this franchise has been plagued by. And when you have a rookie quarterback – and you have a small margin for error as it, as it is, and you're you know not great at tight end, you don't have a lot of great depth at receiver, that offensive line makes it that much more glaring how troublesome this offense is. And until the Cardinals decide, okay, we're not only going to invest in quality players, but we have to hit on the right kinds, this team is not going to go anywhere in the division, in, in the conference itself. And I, you know, I hold my breath, Blake, every game because I, I feel like – could just be a matter of time, knock on wood, until Rosen goes down. Yeah, that's the biggest concern, I think, overall. And when we were coming into this game, John, I think the biggest thing is we were looking for is we wanted positive steps forward for both the offense and the defense. And in a lot of ways, I think that we did get what we wanted. I mean, you take a look at the Cardinals limited the Chiefs to under 30 points a game, which if you had talked about that previously ahead of time and said, hey, you know, Cardinals are going to hold the Chiefs to – um, Mahomes doesn't throw for 300 yards. You end up seeing that they're going to basically end up limiting them on the ground. For the most part, you may have a couple of big plays that you'll give up. But overall, and then you'll sack Patrick Mahomes five times when he was originally had been only sacked, I think, 12 times on the year. So you're like, when you hear those numbers, you're like, wow, so the Cardinals must have won then unless their offense is absolutely abysmal. And the other side, you look and say, well, David Johnson, he almost had 100 yards rushing. You know, you talked about almost the five yards per carry. He was their leading receiver with seven catches, 85 yards. They got him involved in the passing game and the screen game. A well-designed touchdown throw to him as well, um, just kind of showing just the weapon that he is, that they're finally using him the way that they're supposed to, which is more of the steps that we saw. And then through three quarters, you literally into the fourth quarter, feel like it's still a game. In the fourth quarter, Rosen at least gets under heavy pressure, at least from Justin Houston. DJ Humphreys doesn't block him effectively. Rosen doesn't put enough air over the ball, gets picked off. Chiefs drive down, basically end up getting a touchdown from that. Don't convert the two-point conversion. But you just kind of felt like the game at that point was out of hand just because all that the Chiefs had to do was just pin their ears back and keep rushing Josh Rosen. And that's what they did. Uh, as you mentioned with Andre Smith, it's just been an embarrassment as far as whether it was his physical conditioning being out of shape, the lack of push you've seen in the run game, just the Denver embarrassment 
embarrassment, um, the fact that he's had to still be trotted out just because you have John Wetzel out for the year on IR, which I think is probably one of the, if you had to pick the biggest loss on the offensive line so far, that probably is an even bigger one than A.Q. Shipley standing out right now just because the only other player behind him is a first-year tackle in Corey Cunningham. And he, he's a guy who you're looking at a performance so bad that you either have to roll again with and the next week and potentially risk getting injured to Rosen or trot the rookie out, which could also, and it's just, it, it's a mess, John. And despite the forward steps you take, at least, and even with seeing after the Cardinals defense shut down mo most of the chiefs passing off, you couldn't really shut them down. You kind of could contain them, but with those sacks and the game ending drives, you were able to see that you didn't force the crucial turnover, I think was the turning point of the game. But yeah, yeah, John, overall, I think that at least if we're looking for seeing progress from what we saw with Steve Wilkes, wanting to see them be able to take steps forward. I think that you kind of took a step forward in this sense, but you get the feeling that they took two steps back because of this offensive line and just how poor of a performance it is. Again, like you said, losing Pew, Pew for the year potentially. And it just has to have Cardinals fans feeling discouraged, even with a Raiders game on the horizon, because you just don't know how much further that or how much of this Josh Rosen is going to take because he's already been pretty banged up. Fortunately, they're coming off of two weeks. He didn't seem to have any type of major hits or injuries, but I saw him throw a couple of balls, hear a couple of footsteps to see some ghosts. And none of this is good for his development, John. Yeah. And I'm just counting right now, the Cardinals, this is their ninth game, their seventh loss. This is, this is hard to believe. The Cardinals have only scored 20 plus points one time this year. They scored 28 points in the win at San Francisco. I believe that was in week five. Um, they've scored – I'm going to run down their point totals this year. This is in 2018. This is in 1998. Um, six points, zero points, 14, 17, 28, 17, 10, 18, 14. I mean, that, that is unbelievable just the amount of inefficiency offensively that this team has been able to not produce. Uh, and it's frustrating, like you mentioned, Blake, because, you know, you watch Rosen and like people who don't understand the nuances of the game, how it's played, uh, will look at the box score and say, Rosen is underwhelming. Rosen can't play. Look what Baker Mayfield did. And then you watch the game and you're like, oh, when you give Josh Rosen time, he can make every throw on the field. He makes high difficult throws. I mean, very rarely are his throws checkdowns or easy completions. They, there's not an easy completion in his repertoire right now. Whereas if right. you watch Baker Mayfield or if you watch Mitch Trubisky, that's constantly what they're doing. Pick plays, screen passes, you know, read option, creative designs, things like that. So it's, it's frustrating that, you know, Rosen not only is hampered by, you know, inefficiency offensively and play calling, but, and I thought left, which was better uh, this week than, than McCoy had been, but that's not saying much. And then the offensive line, just getting him battered and beaten. So it, it I, I hope that he doesn't get frustrated to a point. He has to really take the approach that Jared Goff did, but what, what happened with Jared Goff is he got whole new coaching staff. He got mm -hmm. a new identity. He yeah, got a whole new offensive line. That's the That's huge right. They rebuilt that entire offensive line. In one, in one off season. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, the Cardinals to me have, can really go one of two ways after this season. I, I'm not sure how it's going to finish. I mean, I can tell you right now, the Cardinals may win one or two more games, uh, but that's not going to drastically change things. Uh, the biggest thing is Rosen has to stay healthy, make it through these next seven games. And then you really have to decide, 
can Steve Wilkes get this team to where it needs to go in 2019? Because we talk about that rookie wage scale, that rookie contract of Josh Rose, and that he's going to be on for the next four years. You have a small window to maximize the true value of this team. And if you don't think Steve Wilkes is able to elevate this offense to what it needs to be, because you look around the league, Blake, and, you know, look at the defensive coaches right now that are struggling. Ron Rivera, who's a defensive head coach, come, Steve Wilkes came from his coaching tree, got 50-plus points put on him on Thursday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a defensive head coach. Like, what is the benefit of a defensive head coach now when even the coaches that we consider to be elite defensive minds with elite defensive personnel can't stop anybody? Look who's struggling right now. Doug Marone, Matt Patricia, uh, Atlanta got 28 points hung up on them against Cleveland. I mean, like, there's Buffalo's coach, McDermott, defensive guy, Todd Bowles, defensive guy. Like, what is the benefit of having a defensive head coach? I just I don't know if there is one right now in today's NFL with, with so many rule changes directed toward helping the offense. And the Cardinals have so many resources on the defensive side. Like, at the end of the day, like, you have to find something or somebody to elevate this unit to keep you in games. Because forget winning games. The Cardinals aren't competitive in certain aspects because of the fact that their offense is so inefficient. Defenses can't dominate games like they used to. You, you, you can't be perfect defensively. You can't win games ugly. You got to score 25 points a game to have a shot. And so, you know, Marvin Lewis, defensive coach, 51 points hung up on him against New Orleans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's frustrating as a Cardinal fan because you know, like everybody who watches Rosen knows he's the real deal, knows he can play, knows that if you surround him with talent and an offensive line, he can win games for you right away, like right now. But you don't have an offensive line. You're going to have to undertake that again. Like it's, it's 2013 times, like I'm going to fix this offensive line. It's 2018. It's not fixed yet. And you've got a coach who we really don't know what he does well. Like, are guys bought into him? Can he motivate? Because right now, defensively, you know, where he's not shutting anybody out, and the Cardinals can't score points. So, I, it, too many question marks for me right now to be optimistic moving forward. Yeah, I think now for me, the biggest thing I'll take at least is with all of the steps going forward, I think that there was a bit of room for optimism because when you're talking about what does Steve Wilkes bring to the table, you want it to be a game like today. Today was probably, and you know, we're recording on a Sunday night right after the game, obviously, for the reaction, but it was probably the closest thing to seeing how Steve Wilkes would want to win games that we've seen so far this season. I think this was the expectation that we would have had of Sam Bradford being behind as far as him being the one taking the hits, being able to kind of distribute the ball. You see David Johnson get involved, Larry Fitzgerald get targeted a lot. And then on the defensive side, they're kind of slowing down this offense, giving yourself a chance to win the game late or trying to force a turnover. But again, like you're saying, there's just issues as far as what the Cardinals can't seem to be able to bring the entire or complete game around. It was fascinating to me is when you look at some of the other even defense friendly, like the one of the things I was surprised by today is how the Cardinals just seem to play so inconsistently and so inconsistently this week they went and played the Chiefs very well they had a bye week the Chiefs did not they had two weeks to prepare for the opponent there were some plays that I and I give Steve Wilkes all the credit in the world for all of that too because he went and game planned well enough for the Chiefs there is times where the Cardinals were sniffing out understanding knowing exactly when there was going to be like a play Tyreek Hill had a play he should have lost about 15 yards on and he ended up kind of making it turning into a three to four yard game just because of the unbelievable talent that he is you look at some of the fact 
that they were able to contain with, and I think Marcus Golden had a huge part of this. They were able to keep Patrick Mahomes inside of the pocket. Rodney Gunter had a great game of being able to, I think he had two sacks on the interior, get some interior pressure, kind of get inside of that lane where he wasn't able to just to drop back and then throw the deep ball. You got to see Wilkes adjust where he wasn't just playing the zone defense. They did have Patrick Peterson matched up on Tyreek Hill that helped a lot. One of the plays that kind of got away with had Josh Bynes matched up on him, which still something I don't agree with as far as for some of the choices that they're making. But the overall thing was that you did take a step forward. But like you're saying, it's also an area if they took a step forward, you see you still have to fix the offense. They limited the Chiefs. They didn't stop them. But you're still not being able to go out and just win games with your defense. And you're also noticing it when you're losing a guy like a Dayon Buchanan and you're looking at, you know, they're going to be down Bethea and Boston next year. You're still going to have to go through a sort of defensive rebuild. That's not even talking about the whole Patrick Peterson situation. Mm-hmm. And so really what you're going to hang your hat on if you're the Cardinals is Jalen Jones went off, had a heck of a day. Buda Baker, he's a heck of a player. Rodney Gunter, at least, has been consistent overall for the most part. And these are kind of the same things that – We've already known coming into the Cardinal season, there's not been much that's been changed or has been added. But I do think that one thing that we talked about, John, at least for the last couple of weeks, was the defense at least seems to have turned the corner in terms of being able to understand or being able to kind of keep things together. Now the question is going to be, are they going to be able to go out and have kind of that blowout dominant game next week against the Raiders? Are they going to be able to continue to slow down these opposing defenses? Because today was a game you and I talked about. It could have easily turned into the Broncos game. could have easily been a yep. blowout out game and the fact that they kept sacking Mahomes was a huge reason as far as why that didn't turn into that game in fact it was in Arizona's favor you could feel that if the Cardinals had driven down and gotten that touchdown instead of tossing and turning the ball over to the Chiefs it might have been the area of oh that might be an Arizona they're they're going to win this game they're going to hold on defense had been doing great they went down drove on offense they'd be able to tie the game up all they would have had to do really would have just been get the ball back be able to kind of go and get a closeout field goal and it would have been the upset of the year instead you just kind of see a complete collapse on the offensive line and the defense at least for their part seemed to kind of lose a bit of heart they let up a touchdown did stop the two-point conversion so I think it's a step forward that we wanted that said what we're looking for now for me personally uh, and I'll kind of finish with this I did not really care what happened one way or the other with this game, whether it was a blowout, whether it was close, even if it was a win. This is a game that against the Chiefs, I didn't feel like it was worthy to judge Steve Wilkes on just because of how good the Chiefs have been. The fact that they did limit him somewhat, that that should be a feather in your cap for this week to kind of go back to your guys and come out next week. And it shows that the team still believes in him and it shows that they still are willing to work for it. So I think the question, John, that I'll have to look and I'll send this to you is if the problem with Steve Wilkes that we're having is less about that he can at least motivate the team, put the defense together. He clearly can't manage the offense or some of the other coaching nuances we've seen yet, and the growth may take a little longer. Is What we're really looking at is maybe less about is Steve Welks going to be like a just a complete bust of a coach, which many have said, but is it more of that you get the feeling that you can and should be doing somewhat better, and you feel like you should be building much more around Josh Rosen? Because that, to me, is kind of where I'm at right now. Is it less about – the fact that well, you have a Steve Wilkes, and it's more about I don't know if this is the right fit for where the Cardinals are with Rosen, and I don't know if they have the right demeanor, right mentality under Wilkes, uh, unless you, like, you know, turn the whole thing over to Leftwich for whatever reason, at least, and he turns out to be this kind of said, I just don't know if you have the right makings to be able to kind of fix this Cardinals team, because a lot of what I'm seeing under Wilkes is stuff that I expected to see under if it was James Betcher's defense, under Todd Bowles' defense, uh, or even under the Al Holcomb and Steve Wilkes' defense. Yeah, I mean, the biggest concern for me, Blake, 
is that I don't care what you specialize in. If, if you're hired as my head coach in 2018, you cannot field this incompetent of an offense, period. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear excuses that Steve Wilkes is a defensive guy. Like, you either have to be neutral or an offensive guy in 2018. Like, can you motivate and can you produce wins? And more importantly, you know, or not more importantly, but on the same level, can you produce points? Like, Steve Wilkes can be a heck of a defensive mind that doesn't, that doesn't matter now. That may have mattered 20 years ago. You may have been able to run the football and play good defense. Now in today's NFL, you have to be able to score points. And I, I have big question marks moving forward that even if the Cardinals revamp certain levels of their defense, get more athletic linebackers in there, maybe get another interior defensive tackle, uh, more competitive or athletics, uh, number two corner play opposite Patrick Peterson, like that, that the Rams have a loaded defense great personnel and a veteran defensive coordinator on Wade Phillips. And they consistently give up 20, 30 points a game because that's the NFL. Now, unfortunately, like unless you have a division that's underachieving offensively, like, like the AFC East and you can be, you know, average on the defensive side and still be able to go out and pitch quality, you know, point totals like the Patriots do, I think defensively, but with the Cardinals, you're in a division with Kyle Shanahan, you're in a division with Russell Wilson. You're in a division with Sean McVay and Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. You cannot continue to trot out an offense that can't score over 20 points a game. And if, if, if your answer to that next year is, well, we're going to keep the status quo, we're going to keep everybody on staff, and we're going to just try to upgrade the offensive line, hope Rosen takes the, the quality, the, the necessary steps in year two, like that's not, that should not be good enough. There, there should be, and I, I think there will be because, again, like we've got seven games left. That's a, that's a great audition period for Byron Lefwich. But, like, if you can't score over 20 points a game against the Raiders, the Packers, the Lions, the Falcons, the Seahawks defense isn't great, the Rams defense at this point is not producing well. Like, if you're still struggling offensively, against these teams and you're paying David Johnson, big money, mm -hmm. Rosen, the 10th pick in the draft, Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, like the cupboard's not bare. The cupboard's bare in New York. I get that. The cupboard's probably bare in Buffalo, but like the Browns scored 28 points today. It can be done. Like what's missing here. The offensive line's terrible. And then they just, they just Bruce Arians offensive line or not was able to elevate this team and get points when needed because he was that savvy of a coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was thinking even that example today I was going to bring up was, look at the Buffalo Bills. They played a hapless, bad Jets team. Mm -hmm. And they trotted out Matt Barkley 10 days yep. after he was signed off the street. And they yep. ended up putting up 40 points overall just because they were able to design and coach and being able to understand about being able to run the football. And it's not like you can compare the Jets to the Chiefs. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm looking at at least is – when you're talking about adapting and being able to build around that defensive team and defensive kind of identity, you should be able to at least have that ability to rally and coach. Skip. They had a touchdown pass to an offensive lineman, at least. It was 
such a well-designed play. And that kind of brings me to some of the interesting parts because you look at with David Johnson today, he had 183 total yards. He had two touchdowns. It was the first game, I think, all season outside of maybe looking at, I think, some of the Seattle game overall where it felt like David Johnson had room to run on the interior. He was actually able to have space on the I was like, all right, it's third and two. They run up the middle, get the first down. All right, great. Hey, it's going to be you know second and sure. They run the ball with David Johnson. He gets the first down. They were able to use and design him, whether it was a couple of screen passes or even some of the passing plays. They just did a great job. So Leftwich, I think, has been taking some steps steps at least forward obviously it's not enough if Rosen's still getting hit on some of those three-yard drops but I, I wanted to hear about you John because to me it was interesting that when you took your potty and pew off the field and pew didn't you know he went out I think in like the second quarter or so but it was interesting because it felt like when those guys were off the field the Cardinals actually had maybe their best and most effective run game oh absolutely yeah the Cardinals improved when Justin Pugh left the field let let Pugh has been borderline terrible this year. He's been adequate in pass protection. He cannot run block. I posed this question on Twitter, not really a question, but a statement. Like the Cardinals could conceivably part ways with Justin Pugh heading into this offseason. They may, in fact, awful. do that. Oh, that would yeah, be I awful. mean, <laughs> they may, in fact, do that if he's hurt. He signed a five year contract, but. I mean, it, it would be very similar to the Adam Snyder deal where they cut him after one season, but he's got a cap hit next year of about $7.75 million, which is okay. Cutting him, you'd have to eat about the same amount, so you really would be posing it like, we're just paying you to not play for us because we think we can do better, whether it's in free agency or the draft. Like, I, I really believe this. Like, The Cardinals are going to have – probably at minimum three new offensive starters on the offensive line. You look at left guard, absolutely. Right tackle, absolutely. And then I think it's a toss-up between center and right guard. If you choose to upgrade Mason Cole, you replace Justin Pugh. Like, you just you can't take these kind of chances with Josh Rosen and be this inept on the offensive line. But I agree with you. They, they, they improved significantly when they inserted the two young kids at guard. And I think that that kind of poses the question moving forward into this week against Oakland, who – does not have a great pass rush. Wouldn't it be great to see them insert Corey Cunningham just just to see how he could do it right tackle this week? I, I don't I don't know if they'll cut Andre Smith. I don't expect him to be in the team's future plans, even though he's signed next year uh, in 2019. But why not make him inactive and just give Corey Comb, Corey Cunningham a shot to see how he does? Certainly more athletic. The play of Andre Smith today, I mean, he looked like he had taken off the bye week and just eaten himself <laughs> into oblivion. And he looked out of shape, slow, sloppy, did not look capable of consistently helping the team sustain drives. And, you know, give credit to Rosen and Johnson. I thought they played about as well as you could, uh, considering the elements that they had to deal with up front. But, you know, it's just, it's frustrating, Blake, because I'll, I'll go back to Steve Wilkes and, you know, I you you don't want people to to not have success with this franchise. You don't. I never root for firings or for people to lose their job. Right. And I I think there can argument could be made for keeping Wilkes just because of the fact that there are going to be so many other openings in the NFL. Like, can the Cardinals get that great candidate? I don't know. Maybe. But at the same time, like, you need to do right. Like you mentioned by Josh Rosen. And if Steve Wilkes is not the guy, and you have any question marks about it. You need to make a clean break and try to salvage this, very similar to what the Chicago Bears did with Matt Nagy. You're seeing that pay dividends. I mean, there's there's elements and examples of that around the league right now. And so I think the Cardinals have to take a long look in the mirror. These, I think these seven games are honestly 
everybody's being evaluated. I think Steve Kimes probably being evaluated. Byron Leftwich obviously is a play caller, and then Steve Wilkes is a head coach. The frustrating part to me with a lot of these games is they're not competitive. They're not overly close, and you know we'll have we questions. got that today, and then we didn't. It was that was yeah. frustrating. Was it was the reverse of the Niners game? Niners game three quarters not competitive. It's like wow, they're gonna have to get like a pick six or have some type of special teams play because this team is not winning. And then suddenly busted out two long sustained touchdown drives, including a game winner. It's like oh wow, that came out of nowhere. This game, it was like they capitalized on that momentum. Had three solid strong quarters at least for the after the first you know two I think drives of the game for the Chiefs, and then it just all crumbled into dust when it hit the very end for that. And that was I think what was most frustrating frustrating was the fact not just that it was that they crumbled in the end but it was that the way that they crumbled it was all completely on the offensive line with the same player getting beat the same exact time and there just doesn't either adjustments made or that there wasn't adjustments that they could make in that part and so uh, that was where it just turned into the what we had been afraid of was that it would turn into the Denver game and it was that it did turn into the Denver game but instead of it being all four quarters of the Denver game it was just that fourth quarter and to me that really kind of speaks volumes because when the pressure is on the most that's what we'd hope that this team would take a step forward to be able to even if they didn't win at least hey drive down get a score maybe you miss an onside kick um, I did want to give Steve Wilkes props for you know surprising with the onside kick it wasn't executed sure. as well at least but that was one of those areas of perfect if you want to limit Chiefs offensive possessions go down score do a surprise onside kick coming out of it for that one I think Dawson I don't even think it got 10 yards for that so maybe it was in the game works and in the plan but that was a almost like not quite an Arians risk it no biscuit moment he would have probably done that out of the half if they had scored that touchdown in the second half of trying to be able to get that going but that was an area of like okay you, you rolled the dice you you missed on it for that one the Chiefs ended up going down you held them to a field goal on that drive versus a kick and so it was like an area of all right I'll give you the props at least for that one and that's I think what the biggest thing that I think you can at least look for as far as optimism is if Wilkes does come back another season maybe you do address some of those positions like you said you end up seeing some of the boost the offensive line has helped you have the consistency in left, which is full offense versus the McCoy. And I do think at this point we have seen the terminology is simplifying up. This, this is basically going to get a lot closer to what we're going to see, especially with just the philosophy of Dave, uh, Larry Fitzgerald in the passing game and David Johnson everywhere. But it's still an area like you're talking about, John, of just there's still questions that, that we have. The biggest thing I want to get to, at least overall, um, with our time tonight, at least not just, I mean, I could talk about Christian Kirk, the lack of impact. I think that the lack of deeper plays, all that ties in just to the lack of offensive line. Um, the biggest pro that I have for Wilkes and left with next year would just be the consistency that you'll be able to see of that same scheme for Rosen. You're not having to have, you know, your seventh scheme and I think like six or five or six years for him at least. But I think we need to talk a little bit about Steve Kine because a lot of Cardinals fans that I've talked to, half of them were fine with Steve Wilkes and wanted to give him time and they were intriguingly like saying that they felt that Steve Kime was the issue with the team. And so one of the things I think that I looked at was, all right, let's take a look at what Kime has done overall. You talk about your Chandler, Buddha. He said, I think good, solid contracts he's given out. You talk about with finding David Johnson and Marcus Golden. This year's draft class seems to be a great feather in the cap with Rosen, Kirk, Cole all starting. Chase Edmonds had a really nice run today. You got to see near the goal line where I think he basically – picked up about six or seven yards or so that just handed the ball off to David Johnson for a, a touchdown that I would honestly say Edmonds probably had deserved off of that earlier run because he had space to work with. You got to see the shiftiness, the ability. 
I think that that was a great pick overall, at least as far as a backup running back. But these first round picks overall, you look at just with not a single one of them so far, I think is going to make it to a second deal with the Cardinals. Cooper's gone. Buchanan is not going to probably be here next year. DJ Humphreys, there's a lot of questions. I don't think they're going to give him a huge contract at this point. I, I can't see that. Kim mm-hmm. didn't even play today. And Hassan Reddick, there's just still been a, a huge question mark. So, John, what are we to make of these first round picks and even just the whole offseason Steve kind of had of fixing the offense through Sam Bradford, Mike McCoy, letting go of a solid offensive lineman in Jared Valdir, bringing back the one that we had questions about with Yopati, and then signing these two injury-prone guys in Justin Pugh and Andre Smith. It just feels kind of like whatever you could have done with the Cardinals, you kind of took two steps back at the beginning of the year, and it took eight games to get to this point where the Cardinals are able to kind of go three quarters with the Chiefs, and then ultimately it just blew up all over at the very end. And it's kind of scary, at least for a lot of fans, not maybe to keep Wilkes and Leftwich next year because you've seen that bit of progress, but there's some fans who just aren't sure if you want to bring back Steve Kime to have him be the guy to rebuild this line and kind of attempt to do that for the sixth time in the sixth year in a row. Yeah, the, the the more people argue for Steve Kime to potentially lose his job, the harder it is to to defend him. And I've been a Steve Kime defender for a long time because he has represented the longest stretch of sustained success in franchise history. Uh, and he's done a lot of great things for this franchise. Uh, can be incredibly savvy in free agency, has done well on day two of the draft. But you just mentioned it, Blake. Those offensive picks that he's had, or those, excuse me, those first round picks that he's had since 2013 have been underwhelming to say the least. Cooper, uh, you know, that was a bad top 10. I always would give Kime the benefit of the doubt because most everybody thought that the Cardinals needed and should have taken uh, an offensive lineman. Cooper was was the obvious choice, I think, to a lot of people. Daniel Buchanan, that, that pick looked great for a long time. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out with this new coaching staff. I thought he was going to get some kind of an extension in the offseason. I was wrong. Humphreys, to me, uh, he looks like an average offensive tackle right now. Maybe he gets re-signed. They picked up his fifth-year option. Um, jury's still out on him, and for a fourth-year tackle, that's not a good thing. Robert Kendici has been a bust to this point, very little contributions, uh, injury-prone, flashes at times, but nothing to write home about. Uh, and then Hassan Reddick today, I mean, he just – they the fact that, you know, Hassan Reddick will forever be linked to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I think that may, what is what makes it worse for Cardinal fans. But you look at the fact that they went so heavy on a guy that and were so in love with this player mm-hmm. from the intangible standpoint, from the testing standpoint, and um, moved him really from, you know, defensive end to try to force feed him into an inside linebacker. It just doesn't make any sense. He looked bad today. I mean, he had one of his worst games of the season. Just yeah, he, he got lucky with one play. I remember with it was a Travis Kelsey catch. And Kelsey, it, it wasn't that he beat him solidly. It was just one of those areas of Mahomes bought a little bit of time, gave it to him. He tackled him, and it was short. But it was still an area of – any type of either good linebacker, how the coverage was, it's hard to stay with Travis Kelsey. I get that. But it was still a catch, I think, that was made for a first down. It was an area of thinking if, you know, if you'd put – the old Tyron Matthew would have normally been on the tight ends. Yeah. Baker's more of a line guy. I think maybe you just see about how he'll develop in coverage. I think at this point you're kind of seeing who Buda Baker is. And a lot of cases it's an elite player. It's not the same guy in coverage as Tyron Matthew, but he seems to be a bit more active and, you know, good down along, around the line and obviously without the injury concerns to have to worry about right now. So – yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a conundrum, John. I think that a lot of the feelings that a lot of Cardinals fans have ultimately is if the, what we don't want to have, honestly, and this is, I think, what, where it's all coming from. 
what you don't want to see is us go into next year. You keep kind of the steps that we're going to give left. What you're going to give Wilkes a year to basically add to the talent. They got all this cap space and free agency build around Rosen. And then we're in week eight next year, having the same type of conversation, because at that point you would say Wilkes and, and Wilkes and uh, Kime would be tied together. They both would probably be gone. I think that this has kind of reached the point where for Steve Kime, the it's almost like not quite a 50 50 i think that it's kind of trending against wilkes because of all the things we're saying about the defense about yeah I, I agree Rosen. i think it's trending against him and it'd be really hard to say a one and done because it might look bad to some teams especially if wilkes is able to you know win the raiders game if he wins the lions game and if they can nod off a win at the end of the season at least maybe they take toe-to-toe i don't know if it'd be against seattle but this ends up being kind of a team that rallies a bit and looks better down the stretch and you still let him go it'd be a tough sell for some of the guys to get here and i think that the reason why um they would do that is they would have to have someone already in mind kind of already lined up that'd be ready to go mm-hmm. kind of like you, you can't openly go and talk about it obviously but being able to send out feelers being like kind of communicator like hey we're like we're reaching out for that one at least for that one would you have interest in the cardinals and like trying to do as much as you could with by avoiding the tampering and i think that wilkes took a positive step with the defense where and one part of it, but as far as for being able to manage the team overall, I think it's still going to come down to, does he blow out the Raiders next week at least? Because that's a game that you should be able to win. Do you go into the Lions game and beat them? Are you competitive enough in some of these games against the Chargers, against the Falcons? And I think that's going to be the area where if Wilkes in the left, which returns for year two, I don't think I have a problem with that one, at least as long as you can show the improvements and just seeing the consistency with left, which, but it is, I think, a little bit more of a risk. Whereas if you're talking about if they do go out and hire a guy and get the offensive guy in, the hope, obviously, of course, is that it is the right offensive guy. You never want to double down on a mistake and then could be kind of rebuilding every single year like the Browns. It's the opposite of what you want to do. But if you can go out and say, hey, we know we're moving on from Wilkes, but we have the right offensive guy in mind we're going to bring in for that one. Yeah. Then you can just say, hey, Todd Bowles is probably going to be gone from the Jets at the end of the year, obviously. you got a guy you can bring back in who's had head coaching experience if this is a rookie head coach who's going to be there. Even if you bring in, you know, like another example, even even if you do say, hey, we love what Byron Leftwich is doing, we want to promote him to head coach, then you could even bring in Todd Bowles and that defense back, at least for the most part, and know, hey, we have the same type of setup that we were looking for of having that head coach experience for the most part, but now you've got a guy who – players on the team are already familiar with who there were, you know, I think it's at least Patrick Peterson and a couple others who are familiar with that scheme with that uh, attempt you'd be able to kind of bring in. And then the offense would be much more of a Arian style. Hey, we're going to basically send the house. You, you kind of be able to rebuild some of that identity. And I think the Cardinals, yeah. they've recaptured some of that identity under Wilkes as far as with some of the blitzes and the pressure and being able to bring that with Chandler Jones. But I think it's still too much of a questioning or Patrick Peterson was blaming Trey Boston today. Wilkes put the blame on Patrick Peterson for the coverage. Peterson, I think, was even yelling out. They could hear on camera yelling out to Boston, like, they changed it to this route, change it to this route. And Boston just either didn't hear it or didn't pick up that they had changed it. Uh, it's just an area, John, where there's a lot of things to move forward with the Cardinals. And I think what Cardinals fans want to know is Cardinals fans want this team to be competitive in 2019. We're not having to wonder if we're going to be getting another top 10 pick next year in 2019 and then take the step forward in 2020 with the new head coach where Rosen then has two years left on his rookie deal and you're still questioning and, you know, you believe you've got the right guy, but you still need to see the development and progress and, I think that's well, just what Cardinals fans are. It's just there's this kind of sense of frustration because you're kind of stuck in this limbo mode, and until you can kind of definitively know one way or the other about with Wilkes and Leftwich, you, you're, it's going to be hard to be able to know what is going to be taking a forward step. What does that look like? Yeah, and it's hard to go from 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 to the postseason. I think that what I thought would be best case scenario for this team is that you win five, six, seven games, 
and that can easily, with a couple personnel tweaks, get you to the playoffs next year. It's really, really hard to go from a top five pick to get to the playoffs. And that should be your goal second year with Rosen because you know he's capable of that. Um, but, you know, I, I agree, Blake. I think just the Cardinals schedule down the stretch to me, uh, outside of those two games at home against the Raiders and the Lions, I mean, at Chargers, at Packers, and then to end the season at Falcons, home against the Rams, then at Seattle. Like, I don't, I don't see a scenario in which they win any of those games, barring, you know, major injury to the opposing quarterback. Or and they so, play like this every single week. And, in the right. and that's one of the things I will give a lot of the props. And this is something where, for me, it's – I look at it as a positive for Steve Wilkes in this game. I think the negative, obviously, in this game is you can say that the offense probably is the bigger case for what lost it because you held the Chiefs to under 30 points. The defense, in their case, did their job. Sure, they could have forced an interception. Maybe you can argue that they have to when you've got a, a team that needs to win with defense because the offense is bad but if they played like this the rest of the stretch of the season I don't think the Cardinals fans would have a problem with bringing Wilkes back for a second season because you'd say all right Leftwich keeps the offense again Wilkes is back there and if they fail again then they're gone I don't think Cardinals fans have a problem with that I think the fear and what Cardinals fans are wondering is is this a case where maybe you're missing out by hesitating too long a lot of things are wondering did you make the wrong hire in the first place by bringing this in bringing in McCoy bringing in these areas it's kind of like you're having to atone for a lot of the mistakes that you made up front and it's been a it's been a really rough learning area that's caused a lot of people just to question again everything in this organization well you can't be this bad like it's like it does i don't care I'll go back to the, my original point you can't even if you're steve wilkes and you're a defensive guy like it's going to be connected to you now that you don't know anything about coaching up an offense about quarterback play about line play you can't put a staff together when you only score 20 points in your first nine games surpass 20 points in your first nine games like I don't care if the defense plays great to end the season and is a top 10 unit and if the offense continues on this trajectory like I I, I wouldn't bring him back um, because you know you, you talk about potentially could left which be elevated to head coach I mean like the only way I see that is if both are brought back next year Wilkes is fired mid-season mm-hmm. left which takes over right um, you know but Wilkes and Leftwich are either back with Kime or I think all of them could be gone. But like, again, when you're this incompetent offensively, you can't expect to keep your job, even if that's not your area of expertise, your specialty area. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just frustrating because, you know, you listen to him in the post game and it's just like, do you, do you know, like what you're saying? Like, sometimes it just, I just feel like he just repeats kind of the same shtick every week and I think that's frustrating for Cardinal fans because it's like, yeah, I know he's a, a great human being, great guy. People want him to do well, likable guy, clearly knows what he's doing certain times. You know, I thought the defensive line played great today. But, like, uh, other than just regurgitating the same kind of coach speak on offense, like, I don't think he can elevate this team to a playoff contender because of the, the little knowledge he has offensively. He was a one-year defensive coordinator for Carolina who has a defensive head coach who has defensive studs at the linebacker and defensive line. And, and tried to and run has, that defense first without the personnel for it. And now yep. they've been adjusting. Like even it's, it's fascinating to me because I wonder how much of Wilkes is behind having to put Peterson on out of necessity and how much he like doesn't want to do that is it's very interesting. So, and uh, I, I think just to cap, just to cap a lot of that off, John, I think that you're right in terms of you're talking about elevating, you know, the team and the status and be able to have the idea of being that type of a, whether it's a motivator or leadership or whatever you're looking for for the Cardinals, I think it still ultimately does come down to 
you have, you know, I guess you can even say with Herm Edwards, you still have to play to win the game at some point overall. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Cardinals in that essence, like they took a lot of the risks. They took a lot of, I think the different steps forward, but when you're looking at what this team is really going to be like, you look at David Johnson with, you know, the runs, the plays they set up, you look at how Larry Fitzgerald was still involved. We're talking about all that. And the team still, like you said, only scored 14 points. And that to me bodes yeah. pretty ill when it was against the chiefs defense, because either the defense has to step up and be able to find a way to create the turnovers or and I, and I guess it's, it, we're kind of repeating ourselves a little bit here, but you're right, John, it's just, it's an offense where they did, were so bad in offense. Like we were even talking about how this is an offense that against the Rams, which have let up a lot of points, the season couldn't cross the 50 yard line until the last play of the game mm-hmm. that was how bad they were they've gotten to the point where now david johnson's worked back in larry fitzgerald has worked back in it's the decisions and everything up front that people have caused to question not the results but the process that the results now are speaking for themselves but it's been learned over time because there were so many kind of unnecessary mistakes that were made up front and i think that's where a lot of fans are kind of questioning and doubting because even the cardinals and 2013 they had mistakes that were made up front but a lot of it was just over time eventually they adjusted got used to the scheme of the offense and my hope is that we'll see that same type of adjustment that same type of flexibility moving forward but again ever since that first press conference I know we talked about Steve Wilkes it just felt like there was something a bit off and that was the thing that was kind of uh, I know you and I had even talked about it's like all right well this is an important press conference and as soon as the press conference ended we looked at we like looked at each other like uh oh this 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 might not turn out well well here's what I'll say and I think this is unpopular statement but I, I think a lot of realistic Cardinal fans feel this way this team is not it's top heavy in talent you've got some elite players but the bottom drops off quickly. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a lot of quality starters on this team. They don't have depth on this team. And so what Arians was able to do was he could elevate guys to play better than they actually could. But you saw that taper off the last two years, seven wins and then eight wins. And Arians, to me, is an elite head coach. He's a top five, top seven coach in the NFL. Now you've got a guy in Steve Wilkes who – a lot of question marks, right? You've got a roster that's got a lot of holes and he can't elevate anybody right now. And so like when, when the whole Patrick Peterson situation came about and people are saying, you can't trade Patrick mm-hmm. Peterson. And I'm like, if you can replenish this team and get multiple firsts and get resources, maybe get a player up from the offensive line. Like you, I think you consider that because really at the end of the day, if Wilkes is brought back, like you only have so many resources to go after to improve this team to improve this offense I looked at the free agency corp of a crop of offensive linemen you know it's not pretty right now and who lets great offensive linemen hit free agency that means they make some trades you'll have to probably get up some picks you'll have to see we'll see what the Patrick Peterson situation there's a lot that's going on I think I'm much more open to the idea of the Cardinals are picking top five or top six We'll, we'll see how it shakes out I do know that from today just with the Bills winning and some of the other teams the way it's shaking out the Cardinals at least seem to be kind of trending upward just because this is probably anywhere from a three to five win team and some of these other teams at least that are starting to turn around or starting to kind of make things clear are still going to pick up another game or two just because of the lack of competition and the Cardinals are in that lowest tier of the leagues I think the Niners will be the most fascinating team to watch with Nick Mullins because the Niners start winning out and start winning up a couple of games for that one and that's going to turn the whole draft around where you might start looking at with the Raiders the Giants Cardinals might end up being that team that's picking at least in the top three. And that's going to be fascinating to talk about when you're looking at who's the talent, the trade down versus, um, you know, Quinn and Williams at Oliver. Uh, is this a situation at least where you end up looking at, 
you know, uh, uh, the Niners go Nick Bosa, say num- or sorry, excuse me, let's say that Raiders go Nick Bosa, number one, Giants take a guy like a Herbert at two. Are you going to be in the possibility of being able to land like an elite defensive player versus do you just need to take that offensive tackle who's the best tackle in the class? And that's where I, I think, We've seen that before with Levi Brown. We've seen that before with Levi Brown for that. Don't just take a tackle to take a tackle. The Cardinals aren't great enough. Barring, you know, putting aside what they did today defensively on the defensive line because they were terrific, they're not good enough defensively to pass on an elite defensive lineman. Ed Oliver, uh, Quinnen from uh, Alabama, Dexter from, you know, uh, Clemson, uh, obviously Nick Bosa. Like, you want to take a great edge rusher, defensive tackle, like, doesn't matter, you know, how good you are currently. If you're a two and fourteen team, like, you have problems on defense, you know, mm-hmm. and so the Cardinals can't just try to shoehorn in a the seventh best player or the 10th best player if they're picking second and third like take the best overall player but if you want to trade down a couple picks and then take them and you get a couple more yeah i like i i am for trading down a couple picks but we've talked about this before blake i'm not trading down to the teens because this team needs their top five pick you know what i mean mm-hmm. and yeah they need the, they need a kind of instant starter on one right. side or the other and if the if the offensive lineman that's there and you grade it out and they're coming in there it's a successful at least a pick that's great the thing with the levi brown pick was that you knew that he wasn't that great because of yep. joe thomas and you knew that adrian peterson and other guys after even in that same class were better it was just an area of we have no starting left tackle right now and that's been kind of the whole you know andre Smith versus Levi Brown type of area. The Cardinals under the old regime, they re-signed Levi Brown to another contract, brought him back. I really hope that's not going to be the case, at least we're talking about that with a guy like Humphreys, because I, I think Humphreys is better, first of all. He's not he's as bad, bad, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he obviously puts the work in. He's a great guy to have around, too, but it's just an area of when it comes down to the, with the pass protection, with how Rosen's been, it just has not been a great marriage so far. Well, here, and somebody made a great point to me today, and I think it bodes well for him, Humphreys, in the future. I think he's got two things working for him okay he's he's only he's in his fourth year but he's only tw- he's 24 years old i mean he's still mm-hmm. technically a, some guys come out at 24 yep. he was a baby when he came out he's younger he turns 25 on december 28th and i also think humphreys does better when there's better play around him and i think that you get a great you get great left guard play. Humphreys is going to play better. Um, I, is he you ever that can block? You don't have a right. really block on the roster. You don't have anybody. So like if yeah. I think he could be elevated to a quality left tackle if they improve other areas on the team where his position's not magnifying. Is he ever going to be able to shut down the elite edge rushers? I don't. I don't think so. But again, like, but if you can get to a spot where you can have a good enough tight end, you can chip in for all that. I know that I went and actually got to go to the Arizona State game this last week. Caleb Wilson, who was Josh Rogan's target for UCLA, he got like 180 yards or something like that, like ripped them apart. You get like Mm -hmm. a player who's kind of that dual threat who could be that, you know, imagine trying to have to cover if you've got uh, Ricky Seals Jones and a guy like a Caleb Wilson on a route, two guys who got like wide receiver type ability of routes and levels for that one. And Wilson's a guy who can block them. That there's little areas as far as you can see spots of areas where the Cardinals can improve and can take that next step and be great but it does start with you need to protect Rosen first and build that line so that's why I want to see Steve Kime and then we'll kind of finish up with this for tonight John at least because I know we'll have to get going for tonight but just to finish up for tonight what do we need to see from Steve Kime at least just and from Wilkes going into the Raiders game for next week at least uh, what is it that you want to see for you because for me it starts with 
I don't know if you can cut or release Andre Smith, but I do think that I want to see them at least bench him, and I do want to see them say, hey, Corey Cunningham, this is your moment. Get in there, young man. I want to see you play, go up against a terrible pass rush that can't sack anybody in the Raiders. Let's see what you've got and see if we can build on this to see if we can keep moving forward. And maybe you end up saying, hey, if you can get this guy – and can put enough confidence to say, we've got a right tackle figured out. Let's get the rest of the line. That's, that's what I want to see Steve Kime do for next week, as well as find different ways as far as the play calling, not, not just like a, a backwards reverse that didn't work to J.J. Nelson, but getting a guy like Christian Kirk still involved. What, what do you want to see for the Cardinals at least next week, John? Well, I don't want to twist your point around, Blake, but like what you just said, like I want to see Steve Kime potentially force a benching of Andre Smith. What does that say about Steve Wilkes? Like Steve Wilkes should be just like, this is unacceptable. Uh, you know, offensively, we can't do anything because of Andre Smith. Like, this is a problem. Like, that should be the first conversation. And I agree. Like, that needs to happen right away. He's a liability. He's been terrible all season long. Kime, if if I was Steve Kime, I would cut him tomorrow and then just elevate somebody from the practice squad and go with a couple of rookies at right tackle. I mean, you can't be any worse. It can't be worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd probably get some, better. <laughs> absolutely. You may not be good in pass protection, but a lot of the time, like, these these rookie offensive linemen, a lot of them can run block better than, mm-hmm. than the veterans that the Cardinals have. So I, I think that's number one. Again, the Oakland Raiders are the worst statistically pass rushing team in the NFL. I think they had in eight or nine games to start this season, like something like 10 sacks. Yeah. So they're averaging just over a sack per game defensively. They, they cut Bruce Irvin. Obviously, they don't have Cleo Mack anymore. And they just have had better offensive line. Like Chandler Jones should still eat again. Like this is a game the Cardinals yeah. should obviously win. They should, they should win this game. The, the Raiders struggle offensively. They did run the ball effectively today, um, even without Marshawn Lynch. But, um, you know, I, I think that the Cardinals will have an opportunity to make plays because of their pass rush and because they'll be at home. I expect the Cardinals to win this game. But I will tell you what, Blake, mm. the Oakland Raiders have been one of the worst teams in the NFL this season. They have one victory. They've been embarrassed against bad teams like San Francisco. If they come in – with this roster, with this roster right now is probably the worst in the NFL. If they come into the, the University of Phoenix State or State Farm Stadium and they beat the Arizona Cardinals and they embarrass the Arizona Cardinals and the Cardinals still Oof. offensively can't do anything, I think we're going to be on on Steve Wilkes' watch. Where he yeah, moves. I think that's I think it's a guarantee. I also right now I'll say this: I don't see that happening. But I will say that I did not see the Cardinals taking the Chiefs three quarters, mm-hmm. uh, keeping it a close game without a touchdown yeah. either. So hopefully you don't see a letdown. I know there's Raiders players like someone who walked past media said like I got to get myself off of this team. Like it mm-hmm. seems like this is a team where they know they're tanking, they're giving up. It feels like that the Cardinals kind of have something to build and to work around here. So it feels like two teams trending in the opposite direction, which is why I think it'll be important. All right, uh, that's going to be it for today. Next time we'll be talking and going over it. John and I are going to actually work on, we're going to fix the offensive line. What are we going to do? We're going to look at free agency. We're going to look at trading options, and we're going to look at the NFL draft, especially taking a look at the kind of the four core schools you're talking about with linemen from schools like Alabama, Stanford, just kind of what could be some of the strategies the Cardinals could use to address and kind of work on and fix this offensive line. Um, We'll also be kind of then previewing the Raiders game as well for you. We'll be making sure that we can get in on just that action. This is a game that we're expecting the Cardinals. Hopefully this is a game where we can talk about this next week, John, as this was Josh Rosen's breakout game. That's what the hope is at least against a terrible Raiders team at home with their offense is starting to click a bit more with Fitzgerald and DJ. Uh, before we head out, John, at least without any other last thoughts that you had or anything else that you wanted to say before we signed off for today. Man, I'm just I'm looking at the Raiders roster right now. And like Martavius Bryant, I think, tore his PCL today. He's going to be out. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Raiders are so depleted that the roster is 
They're one and eight right now. Frosty Rucker is starting at left defensive end for this team. Uh, right. Longtime Cardinal. Uh, this is a – we talked about it for the Cardinals against San Francisco a couple weeks ago after that embarrassing Monday night game. I think this is a must-win game for Steve mm-hmm. Wolves. You could yep. not lose to this team. Yeah, yeah. If you lose to this team and everything like that, one of your and the, the worst thing is you don't want to be outcoached by where Gruden has been to and by this team and this offensive line. I mean, four point favorite right now. You're going, you're going up. Hey, you're coming off of a five sack performance. At least Eric Fisher could not handle anything to do with Chandler Jones today. And this is a Tom Cable coached offensive line. So I think we're pretty uh, we're pretty uh, looking into this game as far as for this is a win that the Cardinals should have. The hope at mm-hmm. least is that you don't want this to be a close game in the fourth quarter. You want this to be a game that the Cardinals can come out, push the little bro- little brother around, dominate uh, a team that's probably tanking at this point. And we'll be talking about a win next week. So overall, John, uh, solid at least week as far as we didn't see the Broncos game. We did see a flash of it at the end, but it's a step forward for the Cardinals, followed by a step back on the offensive line. Hopefully they can take a step forward next week. Uh, as we're heading out for tonight, where can the listeners find you on Twitter? I am at Johnny's Football, J-O-H-N-N-Y-S Football. Blake, where can they find you? Yeah, I'll be at Blake Murphy 7 You can also find our podcast on Revenge of the Birds and the at Revenge of Birds Twitter handle. We'll be having kind of more of the rebranding that'll be going on. Our Bird Game Blake's Twitter account's going to change some. You'll still be able to find our entire backlog of shows, at least. Um, all of them, at least, are going to be available for you to be able to listen to in a much easier way now, which I'm really excited about. And uh, we'll be here at least giving you more content, especially like John, we're, we're going to get to be able to have uh, hopefully about maybe one or maybe more than one show going forward, at least in the next couple of weeks. That's something that we're really excited about to be able to uh, bring to you guys. In the meantime, take care uh, everyone and go Cardinals. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.